Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. It's another edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Well, plenty of developments to get to, but first, we want to welcome Fred Payne, council member from Greenville County, South Carolina, which this month was awarded a $4 million Federal Highway Administration grant for a system of automated driverless taxi shuttles. Thanks for being here, Fred. Thank you. I'm excited to be a part of this conversation. Well, tell us about the system you're developing there. Okay, well, first of all, what we're doing is we've transferred a system that was working at Fort Bragg in a military situation, carrying wounded warriors from their residence to the hospital and rehab facilities. Uh, so it's been up there, operating up there for three years now. Uh, and what we've done is taken that program, which had come to an end, moved it. Uh, the Army TARDEC has allowed us to move it to Greenville. And uh, we are redeploying it at uh, Clemson University International Center for Automotive Research, ICAR, we call it. Uh, so it's at ICAR learning a new geography, uh, learning the, the roads and the stop signs and the traffic signals and the kind of issues that it has to deal with in Greenville, just like it dealt with them at Fort Bragg. At Fort Bragg, was this a driverless system? Yes, sir, it was a driverless system. Now, this would really be uh, one of the first, at least, in the nation. You're calling these A-taxis? Well, we are. I really got that name from Alain. Um, I mean, he uh, has used that you know, that terminology for several years, and um, I, I think it's appropriate. Um, they are automated shuttles, whatever we end up calling them. We may give them a name for Greenville, but... Uh, but they're automated taxis. They're automated, connected, electric, shared vehicles. When when do you anticipate this is all going to be deployed? Well, they are deployed right now at CUI Corps. Um, we are in a, um, a validation stage. We are mapping in the memory of the computer using uh, several different sensor types. We have LIDAR, radar. Uh, GPS and video systems, so the 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 controls, the automation, robotic controls are really uh, multi-dimensional. Alan, it sounds like you've taught them a new language. <laughs> oh, well, uh, thank you, Fred. I I think it's uh, autonomous taxis or automated taxis is the is the, is the right name for it. it? You know, the kind of mobility that these are to be to provide is that kind of mobility from you from where you are to where you want to go on demand. And who is this going to be available for? Well, at uh, CUI Corps, we're starting between uh, Clemson University uh, Automotive Research Center and a uh, Greenville Technical College Center for Manufacturing Innovation. Those two groups work together. That's uh, technical college students and university students uh, working together on research that involves um, automation. 
and so they communicate with each other. And then adjacent to those, there's actually a middle school, and then there's a Hubble Lighting uh, uh, Headquarters Center and a TD Bank, some apartments. So it's a it's a fairly long roadway. It's relatively new development in Greenville, and uh, it's an ideal place to uh, to really to deploy the vehicles for a first time uh, group and to begin to get reaction for how people adapt their uh, pattern of activity and utilize automated vehicles. Now, to begin with, they will be shuttles. That is, they will move uh, from one point to another, but over time, we anticipate that they will be more um, on demand. So you would get in and essentially tell the vehicle where you want to go? Yes, sir. Verbally or punch the button uh, on the screen that says, this is where I want to go, and it'll take you there directly. And are people paying to be able to use this? Well, again, we we've just we deployed these vehicles down here in mid-August, uh, so that was prior to the the fact that we got the federal grant. Uh, we were identified for that. We've not actually started that federal grant. We're still in a contract negotiation stage with them, and so, but we do anticipate that over time the people who use it will be paying for it directly. Probably what they'll do is sign up for as a member of a, of a group to utilize it, and uh, they'll have a credit card that will uh, sign it, or there'll be an account uh, in their name where they will identify they're the user, and that account will be charged. It might be paid for by an employer. It might be paid for by a hospital or other entity that's providing for patients that are um, that qualify for, for uh, transportation assistance, but there will be an accountability and there will be a fee involved. And it will be compatible with um, bus transportation and other uh, vehicles uh, that allow, that carry passengers, whether it's a taxi or a Lyft or an Uber type service. Now, you've been a, a driving force behind this, a little bit of a pun intended there. What spurred your interest? Well, when I was elected to county council 11 years ago, um, almost immediately we had a, a, a transportation dilemma where our local uh, Greenville Transit Authority lost $500,000 a year in operational funds from the federal government because the city grew beyond the 200,000 um, size to qualify for using the monies that way. So we began looking for solutions to transportation. And uh, we, we, we looked at, you know, walking and bicycles and buses and, and taxis and other uh, solutions and uh, either the, the, they were not um, sufficiently attractive to people. They weren't convenient. They were not cost effective. They were not climate controlled. There were a lot of issues that prevented people from using them. They didn't pick them up where they lived. They didn't, or near where they lived. They didn't take them to where they needed to go. The timing was not in the right. 
And so we realize that existing systems, 20th century solutions for 21st century problems were not working. And so we began to look for 21st century solutions. And that uh, moved us to uh, situations like um, Allen's uh, suggestion that automated taxis were part of the solution. Um, not a lot of traction eight years ago, six years ago for that. Um, there was also people who had been saying that automated transport network systems, also called personal rapid transit systems, that are elevated uh, frequently, that can be on the ground. They were operating at uh, University of West Virginia and doing it extremely well. High levels of safety, zero traffic accidents in over 200 million miles of transportation. So those kinds of things, solutions, were attractive to us. And what we needed to do was to make sure that the technology was updated and uh, and was then um, deployed. Uh, and we decided that uh, if everybody else was looking for someone else to be the first place for deployment, Greenville could be that community where we deployed early, proved the technology again, and uh, and proved the, really a business model for making it work. Uh, current uh, transportation is sub highly subsidized, and that's just not an effective business case to, to continue to operate moving forward. So we have to have something where people are willing to pay. has to be a service that is, uh, again, convenient and and cost-effective and comfortable, and uh, and we believe we have that with uh, automated taxis on the ground. And in the future, we hope to look to uh, uh, a pod car type solution um, that might be elevated. And you're looking forward, perhaps, to seeing this technology deployed broadly uh, in, in all kinds of. Uh, transportation scenarios, I assume, then? Yes, sir. So the, the vehicle that was operating at Fort Bragg and that we have here now is a six-passenger Cushman vehicle. It looks like a golf cart. It's really a stretch golf cart. It The permit that we operate here is a golf cart permit. But we do expect to bring other um, neighborhood electric vehicles, um, low-speed electric vehicles, to our community. We have a couple of uh, electric vehicle companies that are talking to us about it. We have a partner that is our robotics partner, robotic uh, research out of Maryland uh, that has been working with automated vehicles, autonomous vehicles with the military for 15 years. So they have a lot of experience in automation. We believe that they are the leading automation company for low-speed electric vehicles and for military vehicles. Um, there may be other OEM companies or systems that are operational that we're not aware of, but uh, we believe in the low-speed electric vehicle, we have the best automation partner in robotic research. And so we have other electric vehicle companies that are talking to us about coming to Greenville and bringing some of their own vehicles putting them into our fleet service, automated uh, robotic research would automate them and uh, and we'll deploy them. And we've suggested that we would deploy them in three different um, districts in our town, in our community. 
One is at CUI Car. That's a, a college community and, a, and, and an office park community that uh, will be a very good test uh, for a business case. Secondly, we would deploy them in a community like Burday, which is a, an infill development. Uh, it's, a, it's a high income area, mixed use development, and uh, we'll be utilizing their public roads for the deployment of these uh, electric vehicles. They'll be neighborhood electric vehicles. They'll be uh, enclosed, uh, be comfortable, and um, an on-demand type system is what we anticipate there. And then also we have a community that we want to deploy them in called the Parker District, which is a, uh, a low-income area. And uh, it has a lot of problems that happen in low-income areas. There are, uh, the, a high percentage of the people do not own vehicles. Um, many of them are older. It's difficult for them to walk long distances to get to transit stations and this kind of thing. And so we would provide first-mile, last-mile shuttle service to get them from their home to uh, a, a bus uh, stop or to other a PRT stop. Uh, also to get to the things, the daily activities of life that they need to engage in. Um, that's to work if they if they have a job or would like a job. As a matter of fact, one of the big barriers to them working is adequate transportation. So we want to provide, we want to remove that barrier for uh, for opportunity and put them on the ladder to success. But we also want to give them access to health care facilities. Uh, if they are under treatment and they need to go to a doctor or clinic on a regular basis for uh, for treatment or for rehabilitation, we want to provide that uh, transportation service. So it's a first mile, last mile solution for health care. It could also be for students that need to get to school or to um, or to play or to a grocery store or whatever the demand of daily activity life is, we would provide that in that Parker district. And we think it's an ideal situation. If we can make it work in these three areas, a university campus uh, and, um, and an office park, uh, in a mixed-use residential high-income area, and in a low-income mixed-use um, area, we believe that uh, we can scale it to larger metropolitan areas and smaller metropolitan areas or, or cities or small communities anywhere in the United States or around the world. Alan, it really sounds like they've got some uh, great forward thinking going on there. Well, we're trying. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, uh, Fred and Fred, uh, absolutely. But uh, what... Uh, what, what Fred just went through is is really um, um, the um, the addressing of the mobility issue of um, of uh, improving the quality of life of um, of communities and uh, it it just uh, to me it, it reckons back to uh, to uh, about 1888 uh, when Frank Sprague uh, went to Richmond Virginia. And, uh, and introduced the electric trolley uh, that uh, had been tried in a, in a bunch of other places and not worked. And he actually, um, you know, dealt with the mobility issues of an emerging uh, town, uh, you know, over a hundred and, uh, you know, 30 some years ago. 
and um, and and in fact uh, had the vision and got it to work. And then guess what? Every other town came there and said, "Wow, my goodness, look at that!" And and all of a sudden, electric trolleys were everywhere. And in some sense, um, uh, Greenville uh, may be to um, to uh, autonomous taxis what um, what Richmond and, and Greenville and, and Fred Payne uh, are to autonomous taxis, uh, what uh, Frank Sprague and Richmond, Virginia were to uh, to electric traction. So, um, Fred, I take my hat off to you. Uh, you're doing a great job there. Congratulations. Uh, you're right on what you're doing. Um, absolutely. Uh, mobility for low-income areas. You know, here in Princeton, we stuck the low-income area out in the whatevers, uh, far away from everybody, and, and in a sense made them have to have a car to go get a quart of milk. I mean, my goodness, uh, what a terrible thing to do. I mean, it's up to us to now provide mobility for those folks so that they can have a life. And, um, and and so on. So in a sense, um, uh, doing that, uh, I take my hat off to you. We have some challenges, as you might expect. One is our federal grant uh, requires matching money. So we have to find private money and other um, uh, corporations and, and uh, foundations that will provide support to match what we're trying to do. But there's a there's a lot of interest, and we uh, are excited about the potential for uh, improving it. Another uh, partner that we're hoping to bring to the table is the uh, the uh, NREL, National uh, Renewable Energy Lab, out in Colorado. They're interested because they've been talking about trying to identify guidelines for um, automated mobility districts helping define that, and we want to try to work with them to say, um, this is what we're trying in Greenville. Is this a standard for others, or how do we? Uh, how can we become a model, a template for other communities to identify the kinds of technologies and infrastructure that need to be deployed in order for um, automated vehicles to work more efficiently and effectively? So, uh, we're looking for partners anywhere we can find them. And uh, if anybody's hearing this, we certainly appreciate the. Uh, inquiry and um, look forward to working with them. Yeah, lots of opportunity. And speaking of that, uh, Alan, in your latest Smart Driving Cars newsletter, you put the spotlight on a Bank of America Merrill Lynch analysis that says there's a big bang coming to the auto industry and, and says could even be the next Amazon. Uh, they're talking about electri- electrification, autonomy, and connectivity, and it sounds like you've been talking to these financial guys. Well, yeah, I think they've done a really thorough analysis of the uh, of the economic implications, and, and Fred spoke to this. This isn't this isn't a subsidy program. This is a this is a an, an entity in which uh, the provision of mobility is is so affordable uh, that in fact uh, people will be more than happy to pay for it, and and in a sense uh, fundamentally drive the uh, the economic. Uh, and business forces, and then all of a sudden, if you bring energy into account, which uh, Fred uh, just spoke about, then uh, this basically takes all the anxieties out of electric vehicles. So, because these are fleets, and you no longer have a range or a recharge anxiety associated with those things, then 
And once you then uh, look at uh, 30% of the energy produced or consumed in the United States is petroleum, and, then, and essentially all of that is by cars and trucks, and if you even take half of that and you move that to a grid or an electric system, then the whole it basically doubles uh, the demand on the electric system that you have now. So it, it's going to shake that up and, and cause all sorts of ramifications in terms of then how do you produce that electricity? Do we even start thinking about nuclear again and who knows what? And then that has implications on the rest of, of the whole economy. And you see all these connections coming out and this is really shaking things up. So in a sense, uh, that's what that uh, that Big Bang uh, uh, um, report is is all about. Uh, looking at the connections that are going to be to be um, uh, chain or affected by all this, and it's all non-trivial. And there's, of course, not only a, a, a nationwide implication; there's a global implication on this. And then, basically, at the end, one looks at how you know, one of the Key elements of this is what happens to logistics and what happens to the um, to the movement of freight and goods and acquisitions of goods and services. And my goodness, uh, Amazon can maybe do it all also because it will at some point end up being a really big player in this thing. Why? Because uh, they're causing things to be moved uh, differently, and then and all sorts of things happening with respect to. The renovation of, of old spaces to now uh, new warehouse distribution centers for for all these goods that are distributing themselves all differently. So in a sense, the whole system is being shaken up by this, and that's really what that report's about. So it's yeah. very interesting. Plenty of opportunities uh, for investors. Absolutely, um, absolutely, there are opportunities and challenges. You were at the Transportation Department's Automated Driving Public Workshop a, a few days ago. What were some of the key takeaways there? Well, I think NHTSA has put out the, the, their, their, um, their uh, basically uh, uh, structure for people to report uh, their, their, the safety uh, voluntarily of the vehicles that they're, and technologies that they're developing in the automated vehicle space. And it's really focused on um, on self-driving and, and driverless vehicles, and I think all of that is really very good. And 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 really, what they would like to have is 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 good information, uh, make it available to everyone, publicly available, um, uh, and all those objectives are great. Uh, to address um, their issues of, of safety, which they repeated, and of course, is the number one reason why um, uh, they're in existence, is to make sure that uh, there's safe mobility provided, and um, and this and and so um, I think that's all great. My problem with it is is that unfortunately. Uh, they they seem to skip over what I call safe driving cars, uh, the technology that basically could be uh, is beginning to be put in the vehicles to basically watch over us as we drive and as, as we don't do the right thing, take over and, and do the right thing and and are basically um, a crash avoidance uh, technologies so that we that we reduce the crashes. 
that's where the safety is going to come from. Uh, that technology, one doesn't need to take one's hands off the steering wheel or feet off the brakes or be chauffeured around by an autonomous taxi to achieve the safety, of, of, which is uh, let's stop crashing into each other and let's stop driving off the road or changing or getting out of our lanes, which is uh, what all the crashes are are about. And um, and they seem to have skipped over that, and I just don't understand it. It's, How could they do that with safety in their name? Well, uh you know, there's safety standards. They have a five-star safety standards. It doesn't even take um, a crash avoidance into account. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, why don't you do that first? Uh, because that is doable now. Some of these things are beginning to appear in the showroom. One doesn't know whether or not they work. And, and all of the uh, the uh, marketing that's going on around it is is extreme, I, I think, extremely confusing. And I think the public is confused. Well, some things One going on in cities we want to touch on real quick. Uh, the London cab company, Addison Lee and Ford are partnering in a driverless car coalition in London. Pretty Pretty interesting there. Yeah, absolutely. In London, I mean, they're basically taking in London what what Fred is is talking about and and suggesting uh, we should do it uh, throughout throughout London uh, and and bring this on board. So that is a that is a very exciting uh, opportunity, and uh, might as well have them do it if they're not if London kicked out Uber. Well, let those guys do it in China. Baidu is saying it will put a driverless bus on the road, not way down the road, next year. I guess in China, yeah. they can get things done pretty quickly when they want to. Apparently, you know, the other thing in China is that uh, there are regulations in China with respect to automated collision avoidance systems uh, for buses to be basically mandated by next year. So the, the enabling technologies to do what Baidu wants to do, uh, basically starting out with the safe bus technology and then evolving to the driverless bus technology, is, is very, very much underway in China, and it's being driven from the very top. Really interesting. And then in New York City, Mayor de Blasio threatening to block GM from testing autonomous vehicles on city streets, an idea that had the blessing of Governor Cuomo. And to that, Professor Kornhauser says... Turf battle. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, I guess nobody talked to the mayor when when they wanted to do you know, do something on the mayor's streets. So I guess, you know, somebody, maybe somebody's nose got bent out of shape. I don't, I don't know. And it's kind of a shame because, you know, we could have Frank Sinatra out there, you know, if you can do it in New York, you can do it anywhere. I guess he said, make it New York, make it anywhere. So I, you know, it's a great thing that, that what GM and, and, uh, and Lyft and, and, and so on, one of the, or, or, Cruz wanted to do in in uh, New York, uh, but uh, uh, I guess uh, uh, you got to talk to the mayor. I was going to say that uh, what we've done here in Greenville is we got both the county council and city Greenville City Council to pass resolutions 
in 2016, supporting Greenville as a pilot site for research, development, testing, and deployment of multimodal, intelligent, automated transport systems and management technologies. So we we got the government approval first, and now uh, we actually also created a 501c6 entity to provide leadership in this uh, consortium movement to get public and private uh, partners together in solving um, automated uh, transport systems and and emphasizing as as alan pointed out safety and um, access for all people and um, innovation throughout whatever we're doing so it's a, it's hopefully it's the listeners will, will will have heard what fred just said fred got fred everybody got their ducks in a row in greenville a while ago They've been working on this. This does take time. One does have to have one's ducks in a row. One has to have the communities on board. Otherwise, they're going to come down to your council meeting, Fred, and sit there and, and I don't know, blow whistles and have signs and, you know, just make it a bad day for you. I mean, it, it, and it has to, in some sense, come from the grassroots. The people have to want it. So in a sense, it's very, it's very important that that we basically don't oversell this, uh, and but over deliver and make sure that this is for the for the improvement of the quality of life of the people, and then we might have a chance, right, Fred? Correct. And it's a thing to behold yep. when government actually does work. Well, we're trying here in Greensville. Working in Greenville. We do have to get prove in the public arena that people will actually get out of their cars and use these um, automated uh, connected electric shared vehicles. And we believe that uh, we're on the tr on the road to making that happen. So we're excited to be a part of it. And we're anxious to see that take off. Uh, speaking of taking off, uh, there was a Washington Post report that some of the world's biggest plane makers see a revolution coming in autonomous on-demand flight. Alan, you've talked about this kind of thing before. Uh, yes, um, because one begins to wonder, uh, is the are the pilots really doing anything? Uh, probably, well, I don't know. I'll say maybe not as much as some of us might think. And, and do we really need... Uh, the uh, the flight attendants. I guess we could go in the back and to the vending machine and get a coke or something. Um, um, and and so they're ta they're talking about small aircraft here, right? That that would simply uh, be available on demand, almost. Right, because you can if you don't need a pilot and if you don't need a flight attendant, then you don't have the labor costs associated with all this, and then maybe you can offer. Uh, flights in smaller aircraft because not as many people are going to have to pitch in to pay for what it for for the aerodynamics uh, to 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 counter the aerodynamics to get you from uh, from A to B and to pay for the the capital costs of, of the of the vehicle and the fuel costs. You don't have the labor costs to pay. I mean, one of the reasons planes are big is because they have to put a lot of people in the seats to pitch in to pay for the flight attendants and the pilots. Yes, there's also the aerodynamics that go up as a velocity cubed, and that's tough, and that's energy, and, and so on and so forth. But 
you know, if you look at the air traffic system of, of the United States, I call it, you know, the, the worst public transit system in, in the world. You know, it flies from very few places at only a couple of times a day. And then you have to go change in Charlotte or something. I mean, it's you, 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 you don't even get a direct direct A to B transfer. And 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 in some sense, we put up with it because it's, you know, otherwise it takes a long time. But my goodness, if, if all of a sudden you can you can reduce the cost of the providing that substantially, then maybe you have the opportunity to do it in smaller aircraft. Therefore, you don't need as many people. Therefore, you can do it for many more places. Therefore, you, and we have a bunch of local airports all over the place. So you might even be able to fly from Princeton Airport to Greenville Airport, but you know, only three people want to do that, but there's a plane that can do that. So it, it's the same as the autonomous taxi concept. Uh, once you can um, basically make it affordable, you share some rides in an autonomous taxi, there's enough money, so it doesn't need to be subsidized, and, and, and everybody's happy. So, um, yes, it's a crazy concept, but uh, it might have some legs. Sounds exciting, doesn't it, Fred? Maybe you can take an A, ta- an a taxi in Greenville to an A plane. Alan is exactly correct. Um, the, we've tried to solve transportation problems with large vehicles, large trains that weigh a huge amount of, of and, and require huge infrastructure cost in order to be there. Same thing with buses. 40 passenger buses are larger and, uh, you don't have that much demand. One of the complaints in Greenville is we see the buses go by and either there's nobody on it or only two or three people. Why don't we use smaller vehicles? Alan addressed that issue. Um, less cost for the vehicle, less cost for uh, less fuel to move a smaller vehicle. Um, if you eliminate the need for the driver, you don't eliminate the need for somebody to uh, maintain the system, the bus, the vehicle, uh, clean it, uh, service it, make sure that it's operating properly, be maybe in a control booth. The people that are working are going to continue to be there, and they'll probably be paid more than the drivers that are there today. But uh, it's going to be a a transformed world in the future. Because now you provide affordable mobility, instead of serving 1% or 2% of the trips, you're serving 20, 30, 40, 50% of the trips. Guess what? You're going to need a lot more vehicles. You're going to need a lot more people to operate those things, to do all the things that Fred said. Your your head count is going to increase, and that head count is going to be also earn a heck of a lot more and be able to better feed their families. So there's not going to be an unemployment line associated with all of this. Uh, it's it's to me it's all good news. Well, on that note, that's it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We want to thank Fred Payne from Greenville County, South Carolina, for joining us. Thanks, Fred. And find us at smartdrivingcar.com on SoundCloud and look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.